get the honor of introducing our speaker today, Mrs. Velma Meek. And I met her on a flight from, um, was it Phoenix? Yeah, Phoenix to Chicago. <laughs> and we got to talking, and I said I lived in Michigan, and she said, my son goes to school in Michigan. Have you ever heard of Northern Michigan University? <laughs> I was like, you've got to be kidding me. That's a few blocks away from my house. So um, I ended up giving her my number, and I said, tell him to give me a call, and I'll feed him sometime. And I thought, I don't think this kid will ever call me. And a week later, my phone rings, and he goes, hello, ma'am. My mama said you'd feed me. <laughs> <laughs> so he came over, and we kind of adopted him, and um, then we got to know his wonderful family, and they're such a godly family, and we've been so privileged to get to know them for the last year or, or so, two years now, and um, so I'm so excited to hear what Velma's going to share, and I know she has so much wisdom to bring us today, so can you give her a round of applause, please? Good morning, everyone. Oh, that was a little dry for me. So I need you all to loosen up. Just loosen up a little, little, little bit. <laughs> uh, as she stated, my name is uh, Velma Meek, and I had the honor and privilege of meeting such wonderful, wonderful people Heather and Trevor, and then they introduced me to Pastor John and Lady Shar, and I've been up here a couple of times, uh, even in the winter blizzard, <laughs> and it has been nothing but love from this ministry, from the family, and I just count it an honor and a privilege that you all, Lady Shar, asked me to come. And I just want to say on behalf of me and my family that we love you all dearly. Amen. And I want to get all the formalities out of the way. And uh, I thank God for my husband who was not able to come this time. And, and last night he said, you should have made me come. <laughs> he said, you just should have made me come because it's not the same being at home by myself. <laughs> So next time you're going to listen to me, right? <laughs> but uh, he was not able to come. And I want to thank um, Char from uh, Powerhouse, well, Bishop, Archbishop William Hudson III. She came out to support Dijon and myself. I thank her for coming. And I thank this lady uh, I'm about to talk about is uh, my spiritual mom. And I was in a place where I didn't know where to go, how to do it, or how to even explain where I was at. And I was at a women's retreat that my church was giving, and she was one of the people there just as a, a guest. And she ministered unto me, and I've been connected to her ever since. And I'm just so thankful for God bringing mentors in your life. If you don't have one, find a godly mentor. Ask God to send you one, a godly mentor that will tell you when you're right, when you're wrong, and someone that will help lead and guide you in the path that you should go. 
and Apostle Mary Mims is my spiritual mom. Y'all give her a hand. And I love her so much. She's like my real mom. I have a wonderful real mom as well, and who is spiritual as well. But with them both connected, they bring me to a place of accountability. They bring me to a place of integrity, character, and being who you are in what God tells you what to do. So I am so thankful for God putting her into my life. This is awesome, Trevor. I like this. <laughs> and our uh, theme today, uh, when um, Lady Char asked me to come, I, I was just kind of surprised. I said, what? <laughs> and, um, and then she was telling me about holy hunger. And um, we go, I'm going to get into some things about being hungry and uh, things that this morning, even this morning, God was downloading, telling me some things uh, as I was going over the, my lesson and everything that God had given me to prepare. I might, uh, I might go a, a little bit off the way, but it's all related. And I just give all praises and unto God who is my life. I thank God for who he is in my life. I thank God for just allowing me to experience him and to have an encounter with him. I just thank God for my, my pastor and bishop who allowed and gave me his acceptance of saying, go ahead and do what God has told you to do. And I, I appreciate that as well. So today we're going to talk about holy hunger. And to be holy is, is just living a life that is pleasing unto God. And um, I'm a person that talk about definitions and things like that. So we're going to start off with uh, the definition of hunger and what God was telling me about hunger. Now, the Webster def definition says that hunger is a feeling of emptiness, of discomfort, or weakness caused by the lack of food coupled with the desire to eat. So this morning, God woke me up as I was reading the definition, he was saying about the definition of hunger, a feeling of empty, emptiness. That means it's something missing. It's a void there. It's a void. And the discomfort is, the, is, is a pain. So when you're hungry, it's a void accompanied with pain, a slight pain, not a tremendous, but you still feel the pain because you're hungry. And... The weakness is the lack of strength, because you know when you're hungry, how many of y'all, some of us, oh, I got a headache, I feel a little weak, you don't have any strength. And the lack of, uh, it says caused by the lack of food, which is the word of God. So, which is the bread of life. So, what happens is, when we talk about holy hunger, we're missing the void of Christ within us, which is accompanied with the pain that we feel in our everyday life, which make us feel weak, saying that we cannot do the things that God has already assigned us to do because we have not put the word of God in us to fulfill us to do the things that we need to do. Amen? So that was my definition that God gave me, which helps me. So when I say I'm hungry, it's natural, then spiritual, 
So when you're hungry, naturally, you're just so weak, you're hungry, you want, you want food within you. So uh, Lady Char fed us this morning, so that hunger has been satisfied. That natural uh, hunger has been satisfied, but now we're talking about having that hunger. It's something I need. I'm still lacking of that uh, spiritually. So and today we want to ignite that passion within you for what God has for you to do. And right before I came, I was watching, I don't know if you all ever watched this movie called John Wick. I, I, you watched it. I like it. Uh, me too. I was on three. So, so I was watching this movie, and this, they was chasing him. Um, they wanted to kill him because he, what he did was he killed somebody on, in the sanctuary where you didn't supposed to. So what happened was they put a, a hit out on him, and he had to run for his life. Now, he had got out of the game of doing killing people, but what brought him back in is because they killed his family. They killed his wife. So in this episode, which is number three, he was running and running and running. He went and uh, confiscated everything that he needed. He went and got the cross, his rosary. He went and got the uh, emblems, the gold coins, and everything out of the safe to get him passage to get to where he wanted to go. He wanted to talk to the person that was in head, that was head of the head table. So he went to a place where he originally didn't want to go to, so he had to go back because he wanted to live. He had a hunger, he had a hunger for his freedom. He wanted to keep the memory of his wife ongoing because he loved her so much he did not want to forget. But because the people was after him, he had to fight his way through. So he went all the way from New York City all the way to the Sahara Desert to get a release, to do something, to live. So what this man was going to do, which is, I would say he was the king, he was the head of the whole organization, was say, okay, you all don't go after him. And uh, we're going to give him his freedom. But what he didn't expect was that it was going to cost him something. It cost him a finger. He had to chop his finger off. Then it costed him. He thought he was going to get a release and the people was not going to kill him. But he said, in order for you to get back, the, the hit is still going to happen until you do the assignment that I told you to do. So he didn't get the release. So, but he has such a hunger for, to remember, for the remembrance and to live and to, to keep that remembrance of his wife going that he did detrimental things to ourselves. How many of y'all know that we do detrimental things to ourselves just to keep things going? Things of the world, things that is not very important, but we think is important. But then God put us in a place that uh, we have to rely on him. In Matthew 5 and 6, it says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And in John uh, 6 and 35, it says, I'm reading the Amplified 
version, it says, Jesus replied to them, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will never be hungry, and the one who believes in me as Savior will never be thirsty, for that one will be sustained spiritually. So what Jesus was saying right here was that I am the bread of life. He said, I am what you need. He said, I am what you need. And this morning, again, God was talking to me about the bread. And mom said we went, stopped, and got something to eat yesterday. And then she said something, oh, this is a filler. <laughs> me and Char said, a filler? Oh, goodness. We was eating a hamburger. And she said, oh, this is it's, it's filled. It's a filler. And we're like, oh, a filler. Oh, we don't know if we want the filler. But what the bread of life does the bread is, is a filler. It serves as a filler. And when you have, uh, in prison, they give you bread and water. And when you fill, eat bread and you fill it with water, it expands. And so that's what the Word of God does within us. It expands when, within us as we drink it, as we meditate on it day and night. So as you begin to allow God to fill us with the bread of life, we'll never go thirsty. We'll never want for anything because God says, I will fulfill all that you need when you do that. He will sustain us. So, amen. So, um, in, the, in this chapter, John, it, he, he was the beloved disciple. He was the one who has written the Gospel of John, and he wrote the letters, and he wrote uh, that was in the New Testament and Revelation. So he had an encounter with God, and in this, he said, I am is used over 26 times in the book of John. So what is God to you? I am. I am what? I am the bread of life. I am the one that's feeding you. I am the one that will lead you into all truth and righteousness. I am. God is that. Um, also, the bread, I talked about the bread of life, which helps us. And, and the bread is a metaphor which symbolizes God. So I'm giving you all, all the basics so you all can put together how God will not allow you to be hungry. And how, how he would uh, put you in a place where you are hungry. He'll put you in that place where you are hungry. Hungry for what? Him. He wants you to be hungry for him. Uh, we all have spiritual appetites as part of our makeup as human beings. That's the way God made us. We all have appetites. The yearning for spiritual fulfillment is constant in our daily lives. The question is, where is your hunger being directed? Where is it? What are you hungry for? If you're not hungry for the passion or the presence of God, then you are certainly hungry for something. You're hungry for something. Are you hungry for validation? Are you hungry for work? Are you hungry to please more of your marriage than God? Are you hungry to achieve things? 
what are you hungry for? You have to ask yourself. So this uh, theme is making you look within yourself to see what are you hungry for? Am I hungry for the things of God? Is God, I was in a class, and they talk about what's the things that's in your hand, things in your hand that take away from God. Are you too busy doing the things at work? Not saying that, not, I'm not telling you not to do your job at work, but what I am telling you, are you putting that before God? Are you hungry for, for the those things, or are you hungry for what God wants for you? Are you in prayer? Are you in intercession? Are you reading the word? Are you fasting? Are you consecrating yourself to know God and to build that relationship? That's what you need to be hungry for. We're talking about holy hunger. Now, we can satisfy the flesh, and those are the things that is of the world, or we could satisfy God. But you know that when you satisfy God, all things, other things come. Everything else is added. But when you handle, uh, handle what God tells you to do first, then everything else becomes easy. It said, when your natural body is hungry, you look for something to fill that void. Spiritually, when you are empty, the devil comes to attempt you with many things that please the flesh than God. To feed your hunger spiritually, you must pray, fast, and read the word of God. Uh, I also want to add worship. Uh, I love worship. Because that's me and God. I love praise. I praise him for what he does. I worship him because of who he is. And the word of God puts everything else in place. It leads us and guides us. It gives us direction. It tells us what we should and should not do. It builds uh, character within us, integrity within us. It, tells, it helps us to tell the truth to ourselves. That's what the word of God does. We live in a world dominated by <laughs> the orphan spirit, which is rooted in pride, which is rooted in pride and control. See, pride is the big demon, the big devil. And everything else, basically, some, most of every rejection, all that falls up under pride, you handle rejection, you want to be in control of everything. And the orphan spirit, it teaches people to be defensive, self-reliant, and self-sufficient. That means you don't depend on God for nothing. It's all about you, not God. And when you have the plan of God in your life, it's all about him. It should be about him first. Then Whatever he tells you to do, that's what you should do. Amen? We have been trained by the world that we all, always have to prove ourselves. How many of us always feel like, man, I got to prove myself? Unconsciously, we do these things. We get up. We want to dress. We want to put on the makeup. We do these things. I did it this morning. So 
we always want to prove ourselves. We always got feel like we have to uh, be validated by someone at work. If you want to hear them, y'all want to hear them say, "You did a good job today." And how would you feel if they never said it? If they never told you you do a good job, will you continue to do a good job? Will you? Mm-hmm. But in the kingdom, we are built for total dependence on, on God. God works from the inside out, and the world works from the outside in. God changes us from the inside. He work, that's what he, God looks at the heart. He don't look at all of this. That's not important to him. We're taught religion. We're taught tradition. We're taught to dress a certain way. We're taught how to say certain things. We're taught to be around certain people. We're taught those things. But God looks at the heart. God wants to know what your heart is like. God wants to know, uh, are you loving me? Are you treating your neighbors as you want to be treated? Are you being kind to others? Are you serving? Servanthood is great. A lot of people don't want to serve. They say they do, but they really don't. If they ask you to go clean a bathroom, are you going to go clean a bathroom? Are you, or are you going to say, why well, I got to clean a bathroom? Are you? If they ask you to sweep, oh, no, no, I can't do that. I'm a head missionary. I'm the head intercessor. I'm the VP. Uh, I'm the vice president. I'm the CEO. Will you do it? We are made to serve. We are made to serve. Many of us have experienced rejection in our lives. I can say that I have re experienced rejection in my life. It, sometimes you don't even know you didn't, it was rejection because that was a way of life. And a lot of us cannot even get past that. And we don't even know why we acting like that. We don't even know why. I, why, why do I feel like um, I have to prove myself? Why do I feel like um, I always have to do things to make me look good? Because somebody told you wasn't good. Somebody said you didn't measure up. Somebody said work a little bit harder when you didn't gave your best. So sometimes uh, we, we don't even know how we have even gotten to that point. So that's why it's important for us to, stay, like I say, stay in the word of God. And when God send you people like Pastor John and Lady Char and Apostle Mims to help and, oh, sister, you right here. They allow you to see you. And I could say about my spiritual mom, she ain't going to cut no corners. None. But in, at the same time, she bandaged me up and still love on me. And that's what we need. We need that. Rejections comes from in many forms, and when you have experienced it, you would do just about anything to not feel that way. You don't never want to feel like you're rejected. You don't never want to feel like you can't do anything. You don't want to never, if no one ever told you you was beautiful, 
you always going to strive to look beautiful. And I'm speaking naturally. You, you might, you always be shy. You always laid back. And if they never said you had a voice to speak, you won't say anything. Because you always been covered. You always been put back. You always been pushed back saying that you can't do it, or you're no good at that. Oh, oh well, just sit down. Let me do it when God has already assigned you to do it. The, um, if you are lonely, your appetite may be hungry for companionship. The devil will send you somebody... <laughs> He always do this, to occupy your time to get you your focus off the plan that God has ordained for you. So if your hunger is, I am lonely, then you're looking to be with somebody. You're not satisfied with just being by yourself. A lot of us can't go to the movies by ourselves. We want company. We can't go eat by ourselves. You want to go with me? You can't even go have a cup of coffee by yourself because you're looking for that companionship. That's just an example of many things. So whatever you're hungry for, that's what you're going to gravitate towards and you're going to pull towards that until you begin to know who God is within you. Now, I want to talk about my story. I am a two-time cancer survivor. And when I was first diagnosed, when my first diagnosis was in 2001, and I had three small children, and I was, I was 34 years old. And to hear that word cancer, it's kind of devastating, just the word alone. And but I had talked to a, a, an, another woman of God that was part that is part of my life, and she began to speak the word of God to me. And once she ignited me with the word of God, she fed me because at that point I was devastated. I didn't know, I didn't understand. I wasn't a smoker. I wasn't a drinker. I wasn't any of those things. But just because I didn't do it, that don't mean it wasn't my time to be tested. And uh, she fed me the word of God. And she said, cancer is just a word. It's just a word. It's all about what you believe and who God is to you. And I had to, uh, I asked God, I said, God, I didn't understand. I don't understand what's happening. I didn't understand why I was being afflicted. I didn't, I didn't understand. I was a mom, I was a young wife, and I was 34. I still had my children to raise. I did not want nobody, I didn't want nobody else to raise my children. I refused to die. I did not want to die. And because when you hear cancer, you think you're going to die. But the word of God says, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that worketh within me. I had to take that power back. So I didn't allow people with negativity to come around me, including family. 
if you had negative things to say, you couldn't be around me. You couldn't call me crying. Nope, I'm fighting for my life. This is the time of fight now. This is live or die. And, and I, I chose to be around positive thinking people, people that was going to edify God and stand out on faith with me, believing that God was going to heal my body because they said I had an aggressive cancer and, and it was uh, feeding off of my estrogen and things like that. And, and to go for treatment, I went to work. God helped me go to work every day, every day. I went through radiation after that, and then I would, I would come home tired, sleeping. I went to sleep. My daughter was, China was like 13. China was 13. She had to, I would tell her what to cook. I had to teach her how to cook so she could help take care of the family. I didn't even share with my kids what was going on. They just knew mama was sick. Me and daddy was handling it. So, cause I didn't want their lives to be shaken or deterred about me going through. And, which I found out I should have shared. They told me I should have shared it to, with them. And so the second time I was diagnosed, it was in 2013. Now this time, it hit me a little bit when I found out the news, God had already told me what they was going to tell me. So I was a little bit prepared this time. But the effects of the medication took me down a path that I was, didn't experience the first time. I'm thinking that, oh, it was going to be like the first time. Okay, I made it through. I was going to work every day. and every, This time, it was a little bit different. Because uh, I, because it was my second bout, it was I, I had to have stronger medication, stronger medication. So I was in the hospital more than once. I was weak. I was at a restaurant. I passed out in the restaurant. I was so embarrassed. <laughs> and you said, "Why were you embarrassed?" It's because I passed out. <laughs> I passed out on the street. I was like, "Lord, help me." And when you go through cancer, what the medication, uh, you could, they had made tremendous, tremendous, tremendous um, uh, uh, with the advancements, thank you, advances in the medication. The first time I could actually feel the vein, the medicine going through my veins. This time it was a little bit better. And I was, it was just so different. I still went to work, and Apostle worked at the uh, same place I worked at, and I, I just kept feeling weak, weak, weak. I got to the door. She said, hey, daughter. I said, hey. She said, how you feeling? I said, I don't feel, I just feel weak. She said, okay, come and sit. She's a nurse. Apostle Mills is a nurse, <laughs> and she had me uh, come and sit in her office, and I was literally about to pass out in this chair. She said, uh-uh, you ain't working today. She called my husband. After I got to work, he had to come pick me up, and then I had to go, I went to the hospital, and I had, they ended up keeping me for a few days, and 
and this was an ongoing battle with me. And so I had to make up in my mind that I was not going to allow cancer to defeat me, even this time. Even though I was having stronger symptoms, uh, even though my health was being attacked more, I had to allow God in. I had to have a hunger to live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. Because if I gave Satan a little inkling, he would have took it. But I had to have the hunger so I could have to say, tell cancer, you're not going to take my joy. Because the word of God says, what? The joy of the Lord is my strength. I had to have enough hunger to say, Satan, you're not going to take my hunger of worship. I fed myself with worship, with praise. I, I just wanted to give God the glory. I said, huh, I said to cancer that you was not going to take my peace. You would, he, I wouldn't allow it to happen because I had to have a peace of mind. I had to trust God. I was like the woman with the issue of blood. I said, God, if, you, if I could just make it to this point, I'm going to be all right. I had to do those things. And, and each time that you, as an individual, go through things, you have to have a, enough hunger. That's a desire to, for, for God to fulfill that void, to fill that pain, because my husband couldn't help me. It was nothing he could do but support me and say, what, what is it that you want me to do? Only thing he could do for me was pray. Everything was left up to God. We have to know that our life is left up to God. And if we give our life over to him, he will, will fulfill that void, that hunger. Then you will not, then you will not feel without. You will not feel like you cannot make it in this life. And say, although cancer was, although cancer was hungry, its appetite was never greater than my appetite for God. Never, never. Every day I woke up, I woke up hungry for the presence of God. I said, God, it's me and you today. We have to do it. I need your strength. God, I need your strength. Because I couldn't do it by myself. Even in my know-how, I couldn't even go off the previous encounter that I had with cancer because it was different. So I had to have a hunger to, to God, you got to help me because this, this is on a different level. This is on a different playing field for me. So I had to trust God. And I yearned and I craved his presence. I learned for him to just help me because he couldn't nobody else help me. He was the only one that could console me. He was the only one that was able to keep me when I was crying at night. It was only God that was able to do this. And because God is the only one that can fulfill my hunger, I want to ask you, are you hungry for God? Are you hungry for God? Today, are you hungry for God? Are you hungry enough to change the things in your life to be on God's plan? Are you? When you are hungry for God, the pressure is off. 
He extends his grace as we yield to him, living in and through us. Through, through religion, we have, to, we have to earn our authentication and justify your very existence. But through the grace of God, the pressure is off. The pressure is off. So I'm going to leave with you today. Stay hungry for God. Are you hungry for God? Today, God is here to fill every hunger, every desire that you have for him. The next level that he wants you in, God is here to fulfill that. So I want to tell you, I want to explain to you, I want to yell out to you, I want to shout to you, stay hungry for God. Don't give up. Put everything that you have in what God wants, and God will fulfill everything you need. God bless you.